Welcome, and we are glad you are here. Welcome to those that, of you that are joining us online as well. We are glad that you are joining us virtually. Um, I'd like you guys to take a moment to go ahead and welcome someone near you. Go ahead and stand up and say hello. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> We have a couple announcements for you guys today. Uh, first off, just to let you guys know, today after church, there will be potluck out in the park, out at Leslie Groves Park. So woo, if you're, we would love to have you join us for that. Um, I believe our next date is September. So potluck in the park is today. And it'll be next month as well, um, on the 4th, I believe, if I remember that date correctly. Also, just to let you know, today we have Children's Church, and so we will be uh, dismissing for that at a time, so we're excited for that as well. Next week, we have quite a bit going on. Um, next week, it, we have a guest speaker. Our uh, vice president of the conference, Rodney Mills, will be joining us um, to give the sermon. We're very excited to have him join us. We will also be having two baptisms next week. Woo! Very excited about that. So we'll be having two baptisms as well. And we will also have um, Mosaic next week. Mosaic will be in the community hall at 4.30. Um, Pastor Sergio will be speaking, and it is called the Immeasurable Moment. I'm super excited about it, and I hope you guys can come join us next week for Mosaic at 4.30. I believe that is it. That is all the announcements we have. Um, and I'm going to pass off to Bud, who will be leading us in prayer this morning. Once again, good morning, happy Sabbath, and we're glad that you're here. Thanks, Larissa. What a privilege to be able to pray with the church family today. I would invite you to kneel with me this morning as we seek the Lord in prayer. If you'll allow me to share a few words from a song that I absolutely love and enjoy, just a few words from the chorus it goes, lay your burdens down here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door because it ain't welcome anymore. You're in the Father's house. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Lord, we invite you here today to dwell with us. May we each feel that love as we draw near to you. 
Almighty God, and in our worship and praise today, united as brothers and sisters, we're gathered together, and we lift our eyes to see your face today. We're expectant with faith, and we lay our lives before you. Transform us through your Holy Spirit power. May your light shine upon us and bring peace. We open our ears to hear your good news through your servant, Pastor Sergio. And we open our eyes to see your truth. And today we open our hearts to receive your endless love. We want to pause now and think of our church family and friends. And some we know are afflicted physically. Perhaps some living in fear or unrest, uncertainty. You know each of your children by name, Father. And we're asking just now to lay your loving and healing hand upon each of us. We thank you, Jesus, for our victories, and yes, even for the times of defeat, that we may grow. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior brought that cursed dream. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all Son of heaven rose again. 
Good morning, church. It's good to be here. How are you guys doing this morning? Let's play a little game. I'm going to play a game called Now That's Impressive. Uh, and so if we have some takers, you will say with me, Now That's Impressive, nice and loud, okay? So let's just start off with something simple, some, something that I know somebody has already done once before, but maybe not just that person, somebody else has. And, and uh, I'm talking about real golf, not putt-putt, <laughs> and not video games. Has anybody here ever gotten a hole-in-one in golf? You have? Nice. And come on, bud. I know you have. That's good. We got two people. What do we say? Oh, somebody back there. Okay, nice. Carol, is that you? I can't see that far, but that's good. Okay, great. 
That's three people, and that's a lot of people in this church that have gotten a hole in one. That's amazing. In fact, that's what? Now that's impressive. Very good. Very good. All right. It's a good start. And if I miss somebody, I apologize, you know. Anybody ever been at a baseball game and you caught a fly ball hit in the stands by a professional player? We have somebody back there. Yes, nice. Raise your hand again. Everybody with me? Now that's impressive. That's awesome. Um, can anybody here put both legs behind their back? You know what I'm talking about? Like, can anybody do that? Oh, maybe? You want to show us? No. <laughs> but you, you can do it. You think you can do it. Now that's impressive, right? Can anybody stand on their hands and, and walk while you're on your hands? Can anybody do that? Stand on your hands, walk on your... No? There's no gymnastics? Okay, we have one person here. Excellent. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Well, that's awesome. In fact, now that's impressive. Very good. Can anybody uh, rub their stomach while tapping their head? Just come, let me see you do it now. Come on, this way we can all. Don't just raise your hand. And, and could you rub your head while you're tapping your stomach? All right, that's good. Then now that's impressive. If anybody can do something extraordinary that I did not mention here. Something that I'm, look, I'm watching couples looking at themselves, you know, doing this kind of stuff. Anybody? Raise your hand. I'd love to know. Something extraordinary that I've not mentioned. All right. I got to swim with some manatees once in Florida. That was kind of cool. We were at this place called Blue Hole uh, and Blue Springs or something like that. And uh, uh, the, uh, the, normally they're not there, but we were there. This is many years ago. And got in the water and then suddenly, and it's really cold. It's like 72 degrees all year round the water. So that was, it was a hot summer day, but the water was cold. And so we're in there, we're swimming around, and we get this whistle. We look out of the water, and, and, and the guard there is saying, careful, careful, there are manatees. They are not going to harm you, but do not touch them. And next thing you know, I go underwater, and I see these manatees, huge, big, and they start coming towards me. <laughs> and I'm like, manente, not manatee, manente, you know, just not the same thing. But I thought that was impressive that I got to go and do that. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, because some of you might be embarrassed by this, but how many of you watch America's Got Talent? Uh, okay, got some, got some takers. Very good, very good. Do you know that there is, for every season, there's been 10 million viewers every season? This thing is still going strong. And somehow they always come out with something else, you know. The participants of any age could enter in any form of talent. Judges have two buzzers in front of them. In fact, season nine, they introduced the, the second buzzer. The first buzzer is like a red buzzer. It's got an X. You get buzzed, but you don't want that buzzer. 
That means you're gone. Gone. But then there's something called the golden buzzer. Are you familiar with the golden buzzer, right? When the golden buzzer goes, that means that you get to skip all the other things and you get to go straight to the final. That's the golden buzzer. And there's been some pretty amazing emotional moments during the golden buzzer moments. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish Jesus had a golden buzzer. You ever go through life and you just wish you could skip all this stuff, all the pain, all the judging, all the performance, and you just get to the last stretch? Well, good news. Jesus has a golden buzzer. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I love that. We have this desire to please. We have this desire to impress. It's from, you can see it in little children when they're very young. Small children call out to their moms, hey, mommy, mommy, watch how fast I can run. And then they run really fast. And then they're like, mom, did you see how fast I ran? Why are they doing this? Because they want to what? Impress. I often wonder what impresses you. Does intelligent impress you? Someone who can spew out all kinds of facts. Someone that's really good at like trivial pursuit. That doesn't impress me, by the way. Someone that could solve puzzles or problems. Or maybe a theological giant that knows all the theological ins and outs of the Bible. Does that impress you? Or does does cleverness impress you? Someone who can turn a conversation from bad to good. or, Or someone who has discernment and insight and can say just the right things at just the right time. I'm always impressed by clever comedians. And I often, I often sit there and go, how did they come up with that? Have you, ever, have you ever done that? You ever listen to somebody speak or a comedian and say, well, how, did they, how did they do that? Where did they come up with that? I wish I could think like that. Does money impress you? Someone who can buy virtually anything they want? Nice cars, clothes. They can travel anywhere they want. Does fame impress you? What impresses you? Remember one day my wife was doing the dishes and I took out my guitar to serenade her. She was not impressed, let me just tell you. We are so easily impressed with the sensational, the thrilling, the spectacular, the remarkable, the notable. We, that's why shows like AGT get so famous. But I don't know about you. I get impressed by people that are noble, people that are humble. I don't know if you've been following the Olympics at all. But the big story has been uh, the gymnastic girl, Simone, and how she decided at the very last moment, now we can have mixed feelings about this, I get it, 
She's representing the USA, and it's a big deal. At the very last moment, though, she decided to kind of step back and let some of our other team members get some of the glory. Part of it is, though, this is the courageous part, was to say, look, I am struggling with depression. And I'm getting something called the twisties. You guys heard about this? And now, for most people, that may not be very impressive, but if you think about it, if it's true that you did it for the right motives, that's very impressive. To give up glory so someone else can do it and to admit, hey, I struggle with depression. That level of authenticity impresses me. So I think about this and I wonder, what impresses Jesus? You know, when you read the story of Jesus, it's almost as if he's not very impressed with too much. He's very kind. Uh, he can be very impressive himself. I mean, he's God. I mean, how do you impress God? Let's be honest, right? But there is a story in the Bible, and it's about a centurion, a Roman centurion. And the centurion was the commander of a centuria, which is the Roman or Latin word for a hundred soldiers. Uh, now, these centurions received a much higher pay, had a greater share of the spoils than did the other soldiers. They had more clout. They were very loyal. They were very trusted within their ranks. And sometimes they would make decisions uh, that others would just kind of blink at even though you wouldn't necessarily do this. And this man was a pagan Roman centurion. I want to make that very clear to you because I am always impressed with how God reaches out and loves non-believers. You see it over and over and over again. We don't know his name, but we know he was a noble individual. We know that he was courageous, and he had heard the rumors that a rabbi was in town, a healer was in town, and I'm sure that he got to listen and hear both the persuaded and the unconvinced. We find the story in Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, it says, when Jesus had finished saying all the, this to the people, who were listening, he entered Capernaum. So Jesus is doing what he does best. He is healing, he is preaching, he is just changing people's lives. And he finishes that and he goes to Capernaum. And it says, there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, a servant, whom his master, this Roman centurion, valued highly, a servant, was sick and about to die, the servant, just a servant. And the centurion had heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servants. So this centurion decides, 
I hear about this guy. He can heal people. I'm pretty impressed by him. So I'm going to send some Jewish leaders to see if he could heal my servant. Now, you know what's amazing about this? You could tell that this pagan Roman centurion didn't know that Jesus was not very impressed with Jewish leaders. Right? You wouldn't send somebody you're not impressed with or that you know that person's not impressed with to go do this job. This is an important job, right? So along with his reputation and influence, we learn that he has this tender heart. He cares about this servant. He's not asking for help for his wife or her son or even a soldier. It's a servant. You understand that in the Roman world, a servant, uh, excuse me, a servant was a nobody. You understand that, right? A sermon too, by the way. But yeah, a servant was nobody. And this Roman centurion is willing to be criticized, is willing to be ridiculed and even possibly reprimanded for the off chance that this rabbi named Jesus could heal his servant. So he sends Jewish leaders to request the healing, not because he's embarrassed to go, not because he's being cautious, not to protect his reputation as a Roman commander. He sends the Jewish leaders because he doesn't know. He sends the Jewish leaders because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And he knows that the Jews believed that you would be ceremonially defiled being even in the very proximity of pagans. So he's asking Jewish leaders to make his plea. It was actually a very humbling thing to do. Made me think about something. What am I willing to sacrifice on the altar of complete healing? What are you willing to sacrifice on the altar of complete healing? And I, some of us have physical maladies. Some of us have emotional challenges. Some of us have attitudinal problems. And we need healing. Here's the one thing I do know for sure. There is not one person in this room, not one person in this room that is not broken. We are all broken in one way or another. You may not admit it, and that's okay. But we are all broken in one way or another, and Jesus Christ can heal us. And I think about my brokenness in my life, 
And I say, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to let go of in order to experience complete healing? So Luke chapter 7, verses 4 through 6 continues. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. Now, we don't really get the full extent of this. In the original language, it's more like there's this urgency involved here. It's like, you better do this now. He goes, he's dying. All right? So you have this, you know, this very nice language pleaded earnestly, but it was almost as if like they were pressuring him. Now listen to what they say. These are Jewish leaders. By the way, they don't like Jesus that much either. So the feeling is a bit mutual, isn't it? Amen back there. They pleaded earnestly with him. They pressured him. This man deserves. Check out the language. This man deserves to have you do this. Because. He loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Did you catch that? This man deserves to do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogues. He deserves. How many of you here feel like at some point you deserve God to do this for you? Our only claim to God's mercy is our helplessness. Can I just tell you that to you? Our only claim to God's mercy is our need. No one deserves. This is a little bit of a window in the Jewish theology, isn't it? If you do good things, you deserve this. Right? This man deserves this. Our, our wealth, our goodness, our standing in society does not do it. It will never help us deserve God's goodness. Isn't that true? And yet, that's what we try for all the time. Nothing you can do to make God... Listen. This is going to be hard to swallow. But I want you to understand it. I want you to get it, okay? Because we are doers. We are more living doers than living beings. But let's just, just stay with me on this, Okay? There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. Now, if you're action-oriented, and if you are a doer, that's a hard thing to swallow. Because you feel like that's not fair. I do all these things. I should deserve something for it. Well, you do. But it won't be Jesus' salvation. You deserve to get what you work hard for. Would that make sense? And if you don't work hard, you deserve to not get what you don't work hard for. <laughs> I mean, that's just normal stuff. I, that's a, not a bad thing. I'm not, 
I'm just saying, please do not walk away saying, Pastor Serge says we don't have to do any work. We could just, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's got nothing to do with what Jesus does for us. We will never deserve we will never be able to say, I deserve. Nobody here will be able to go to the front door of heaven and go, hey, I deserve to be here. Let me in. God loves you because he is God. He cannot help himself. And Jewish leaders are sitting there going, you got to do this, Jesus, because. I love, I love his, his argument. you got to do this, Jesus, because he loves our nation. Right? Like a little social pressure here. Come on, you're a Jew. Hey, you know. He's the one that, that built our synagogue. He probably gave some money towards it. He probably actually worked with his hundred soldiers to help build it. I mean, this guy, this guy is a good guy. And, and by the way, you know, not to be political, but, but maybe we'll get more if you heal the servant of his. You know, you got to stroke those people that give money, right? They deserve. You guys don't do that, though, right? You've never gone to God and said, you know, I pay a good tithe, God. I go to church every Sabbath, God. Hey, God, I did a good deed the other day. I deserve. I don't know if you've ever tried to negotiate a deal with God. Have you ever tried to negotiate a deal with God? Most of the times, we only do that when we get desperate. Isn't that true? You might actually promise to start tithing. If he heals you. Or if he brings your son back to church. Or if he makes you successful in business. I've heard people say things like, you know what? God, I tell you what, you make this thing successful, I'll give you double tithe. <laughs> now, I'm not against tithe. But that's never going to make it. So that you deserve God's love. God loves you no matter what. You might promise to start or, or to stop drinking or doing something else that's not good for you. If God will give you some kind of promotion or give you just the right girl, the right guy. or Underlying all of these is such, uh, there's greed, isn't there? Like, I try to make a deal so that I can get what I want. Isn't that really the ultimate point of this? Remember, our only claim to God's mercy is what? Our need, our helplessness. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you because he is God. So Luke chapter 7, the story continues. He was not far. Jesus decides to go. And by the way, do you think he's going because he is convinced 
by the pressure of the Jewish leaders? And did you notice something else that I, I don't want you to miss? Because, you know, we can easily miss these things. But I, I never do. I don't know why. I'm like such a detailed person when it comes to this stuff. A little too much. Pray for me. But one of the things that I've noticed is Jesus doesn't sit there and waste time saying, you know what? I'm not going for you, okay? Just to make sure you know that. I'm going for him, you know? He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't even worry about what they think. He doesn't care that they may even actually think that they persuaded him because they're such great Jewish leaders. No! He's like, okay, let's go. Because he's about to say something that's going to blow their minds. And I love this. I love this about Jesus. He kind of sets you up, you know. He's pitching softballs little by little. And then at one, uh, one point, he, he, oh, man, this is going to really. I love this next moment here. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him. Now, I don't know. Somebody texted him. I, I don't know how, how he knew this. I guess there must have been like people going back and forth saying, hey, check this out. Help me out with this. I don't know how he knew this, but he knew Jesus was coming. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? But he, he knows he's coming, and he, and, he, and he sent his friend to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For what? I do not deserve. Not only for my servant to be healed, or for my request to be granted, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. This pagan who has more sense than the Jewish leaders there. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. I know how Jewish people think. You come into my roof, you're going to get defiled, and I don't want to be the one to do that. You know, I've heard this stuff. I've been there. I've been a good friend to your people. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come. But just say what? The word. Wow. And my servant will be healed. Why don't we believe like this anymore? Just say the word. And then he explains himself. He says, for I myself am a man under authority. And soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. In other words, he's saying, look, I, I get how it works. He's basically saying, I totally believe that you have the authority. You just have to say the word. How many of you believe that Jesus has the authority on this earth to do what he, you know, this is before he even died on the cross, by the way. We are told that when Jesus 
When it's all said and done, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. His authority just increased at the cross somehow. I don't even get it, but unbelievable stuff right there, right? And yet this Roman centurion knows this, this is a man, this is a being with authority. This is not just, a, a, you, this is a God. This may be the one God that the Jewish leaders have been talking about all along. I love this text in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul is writing to them, and he's impressed. He's impressed. We're talking about, just in case you forgot, what impresses you. And Paul is impressed with the Thessalonians, and he says, this is why I'm impressed with them. He says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a what? Human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Do you believe that the word of God is at work inside you, changing you, healing you. It may not be exactly the way you want it because quite honestly, we don't know God's will in our lives and why he does what he does when he does. I'm just going to be honest with you. There are times when I'm confused, but I never ever not trust him. And I've been through some stuff in my life. And maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know. And this is the part that I love. Luke chapter 7, 9, and 10 says, When Jesus heard this, when he heard this man say what he said about authority, when he heard this man say, look, I don't even deserve for you to come into my house, but I know you could do this. I know the word. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Now that's impressive, right? That's the first time ever you hear Jesus say, like, I'm amazed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Can you imagine Jesus boasting on you? Have you seen, have you seen that centurion guy? That, the pagan guy? He was amazed at him. Why? And turning to the crowd following him, including those Jewish leaders, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I can imagine the centurion with a big smile on his face. I knew it. I told you. I knew it. What did he have? Faith. To abandon ourselves radically to God. Faith. To embrace uncertainty, yet have the confidence that God's power is exactly what he says it is. To trust an unseen, unexplainable being. 
The kind of faith that impresses Jesus is the faith that anticipates the inevitable, that recognizes that our great need is our only claim to God's mercy, that we don't deserve anything, but God is everything. Some of you have heard me say this before, that, that faith is believing in the absence of evidence. But I believe that greater faith is believing in the presence of contrary evidence. When things look like they're saying, no, 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 is when God gets really impressed with you and you say, oh, no, no, God said yes, 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 yes. I think that's what impresses Jesus. I think we would all agree that faith is that elusive, intangible quality often challenges our reason. I'm not going to lie to you. In fact, with faith is at times experienced in the realm of the absurd. Isn't that true? It's irrational. I mean, in the real world, seas don't part. In the world without faith, people don't come back from the dead. In the world without faith, you can't walk on water. I'm just saying. In the world without faith, the fiery furnace doesn't just burn the ropes. In a world without faith, water doesn't turn into wine. In a world without faith, trumpets and systematic marching do not cause walls to fall. In a world without faith, fatally suffering servants don't find healing just because of his word. But it is that kind of faith Believers have in God's word that impresses Jesus. It's the faith that says God is bigger. Every time you step out in faith and share your faith with an unbeliever, you're impressing Jesus. Every time you courageously stand up for something that's right, when no one else is, you impress Jesus. Every time you constantly get up after you royally, royally blow it, but you have the faith to get up one more time and ask God for help, that kind of faith impresses Jesus. Every time you trust him, whom you cannot see, and you trust his word, who often you cannot hear, but you know what it says. You're impressing Jesus. Every time you help in some way, someone, even though you just don't have any more left in you, you're impressing Jesus. I used to teach at this little school in New York, the Pearl River Elementary School. Pearl River, New York. Anybody ever been to Pearl River, New York? Yeah. I have. Never found any pearls, but, you know. And uh, we had these, these, this, this act come for the kids. And there was a kind of a circus trapeze artist kind of a act. You ever seen, anybody ever seen trapeze artists, right? 
And, man, they were doing some amazing things in the gym. I don't know how they did it, man, but they said it to stuff. They were flips and things. It was just unbelievable. I was like, man, now that's impressive. As I watched them do these things. <coughs> and so I talked to one of them afterwards, and I go, how long did it take you to learn this, you know? And she said, well, I, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I said, well, how do you do it? I mean, how do you, you know, aren't you worried? You know, like, and she says, did you not see the net? And of course, they had a net in case they fell. Of course, they never fell. But she said these words to me. She says, if, the, if there was never a net there, we would never dare to do something like that. Without the net, we wouldn't do that. You know, that's what faith is like, isn't it? Faith is like that net. When we have faith, we dare to attempt big things. When we have faith, we dare because we trust that the net will catch us. We trust that God will catch us. Isn't that true? Jesus, you don't owe me a thing. I don't have a thing to offer you. I just have a mustard-sized faith. That's all I have. You're the rabbi. I'm just a soldier, but I trust you fully. So are you ready to trust Jesus? Are you ready to attempt big things? Are you ready for whatever God wants to do? for you and through you? Are you ready for that breakthrough in your life, for that miracle in your life? Are you ready to impress Jesus with your faith? Then lift your voice and sing this song together and let God really know, truly know how much you're wanting to believe in him. Be like that guy that said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Remember that? If you say that wholeheartedly, you will never perish. I believe that with all my heart. So let's sing together. Is it no? 
open the door. We want you, Lord, like never before. grace has been enough and i'm believing the best is yet to come the cross before me my hope on things above and in you jesus the best is yet to come your is an open door we want you lord like never before your presence is an open door so come now lord like never before
pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the miracles, the breakthroughs in our lives, the ones we understand and notice, and even the ones we don't sometimes. We pray, Father, that we would have the kind of faith that would impress you, the kind of faith that the Roman centurion had. Lord, help us, Lord, to have that kind of faith. Many of us right now are crying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be with each and every one of us here today. Bless us as we uh, continue this wonderful day together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Sabbath. We're having a picnic at the park. I hope you can make it there. And next, next week we will, be at, uh, we will be here, of course. And we will have uh, the acting president right now, Rodney Mills, coming to speak. I'll be here. We'll all be here. So we'd love to have you here. We'll have baptism. Come bring somebody. It'll be an awesome day. God bless.